0: Welcome to Life Church 360. Life Church 360 exists to help everyone build a life giving relationship with Jesus. Everything we do revolves around loving God, investing in others, faithfully serving, and encouraging the world. Our prayer is that this upcoming message will encourage you and challenge you in your faith journey. Welcome to Life Church 360. My name is Matt Morgan. I get to be the lead pastor, and when I look out, this plexiglass and see your faces. It is so good to see you. I miss you guys, and you know, we we work all week at at church, and even when we're online, we still have to do all the stuff that we do, and I just, my heart was just every week, oh man, I can't wait till we, you know, just step back in person. So it's so good to see you guys. Uh, We are so glad to be with you. If you watch the news this week, like me, uh, I watch a little bit of it. I don't like to watch a lot of news because it just depresses me but I really did watch some of this stuff, and my heart was grieved, and probably yours as well. And many of you already know that we don't take a political stand at Life Church 360. And the reason that we don't do that is because it divides. It, it divides the, d- the two different parties. Uh, and sometimes there's even the independent party. So there's, a, like, there's just all this division. And one of the things that the Bible has called us to do as Christians is be reconcilers. We reconcile the world to God. It's very hard to reconcile somebody to God if you're polarized against them. And so what we do is we are praying for our country and we are praying for the country's leadership and we're trusting God that he's having his way. And God says the Bible says that God puts all authority in place. And I know what's really difficult right now is there's contention about, well, who should be there? And I don't know, but I would like to pray. And I'd I'd like to ask you if you'd pray with me. Could we pray for our country? I think... The one thing we could all agree on, whether, you know, you're on one side or the other, which, by the way, we have people from both parties that come to our church, and we're okay with that. We love you. We just, we're just we all about you and you knowing Jesus and have a life-giving relationship with him. And, and we can coexist together, and, and we can just kind of hold the hands of everybody and say, let's bring it back together under Jesus. And I think the one thing we could all agree on is we would sure like our country to be at peace, we would love our country to flourish, and we would love our country to know Jesus. And so if you would join me in prayer, let's have a word of prayer for our country. We can, can, we, can we agree on that one? And I, I think we can. Lord Jesus, we love you, and uh, we just trust you with our nation. We ask you, God, that, that our nation would know you, that we would be a Christian nation. We would be a nation that did trust the Lord with all of our heart, mind, body, and soul. And I, I pray, God, for what's going on, the whole leadership uh, conflict that's happening right now, God, that you would bring peace, and uh, God, you would bring about truth and light, and we trust, God, that you're going to do that, and we trust, Lord, whoever is in office here as the transition happens, that you're putting them there, and whether we voted for that person or not, God, we just say we trust you. You are our leader, and so we, we put our full trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, thank you guys so much for praying with me. And, and I want you to know, Life Church 360 really does ex- coexist with people who could disagree. And it's not just politically, in, in anything. Um, we come under the one thing uh, of the scriptures, and that is that Jesus is the only way to salvation. And that we believe the Bible, all of the Bible. We teach it with his grace, we teach it with love, and we teach it nicely. And so we just dive into scripture. Today we're going to start a new series called Rise Up. And uh, we're using a hot air balloon as our example. My wife wants to go on a hot air balloon ride, and this is the year I've got to take her somehow, some way, uh, because she's always wanted to do it. And I get to do all these bucket list things that I love to do. And uh, even though a hot air balloon is going to be a slow ride, I'm doing it with my wife. So you guys are like my accountability. Come and ask me once the weather's better. And so the hot air balloon has three parts. You have the balloon, uh, you have the, the ropes that connect the balloon, and to... The basket, and of course, we have the hot air, which we'll talk about that way later. I've got plenty of hot air for today. So we're gonna talk about this whole idea of rising up, and you gotta start at the beginning of the thing, it's the basket. What is the basket when you start talking about church ministry in this metaphor for ministry? The basket is the mission of Jesus. You hear us talk about our mission all the time. We talk about we exist to help you and all people Build a life-giving relationship with Jesus. Now, we say that because that's the mission of the church. That's actually the mission of every Christian church, of every Christian person. When Jesus started to like call out his disciples, what did he say? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men right? So you're going to go reconcile the world to the Father. You're going to go to them and make disciples. And so Jesus starts there. And to make sure they understood that he wasn't kidding, very shortly after that, Jesus said, okay, you guys, you guys pair up. You guys are going out. Tell people the kingdom of God is near. Heal the sick, you know, cast out demons. Go. And they're like going, uh, we, we're, we haven't been trained. He's like, trust me, you know enough. Go. And so these guys go out two by two. And you're like going, well, yeah, that's the original 12 disciples. Actually, Jesus chose 72 more disciples. He said, two by two, go. And they go. Jesus said things like, I didn't come for the sick or or for the healthy. I came for the sick. I gave you the answer already. Uh, Jesus said, the Father's not willing that one would perish. Jesus Jesus said that he came to give us a rich and satisfying life, which is our theme verse of of our church, John 10, 10. And, And so, like, when Jesus says in Matthew 18, or excuse me, it's Matthew 28. Matthew 28 Uh, uh, verses 20 through 32, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. When someone says they've been given authority, they're saying you need to listen. Well, he has all authority, heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, when he said this, they were not surprised because he had built that with them. That's what they do. The mission of God's church is to go and make disciples. How do you lift the mission off the ground and get it going? That is with vision. The balloon is the vision. We're going to talk about vision here today and how God has done so many things with vision in our church and who we are yeah well what are the ropes the ropes are our values biblical values and so we're not going to talk a lot about values today we'll talk about them more later i want to focus on the balloon i want us focus on vision you know god the father had a vision to come reach you he sent his one and only son we just celebrated the birth of jesus talk about a vision right And Jesus came, and he paid the price for all of us to, to, like, all of the sins that we've committed so that we can be reconciled to the Father. Justice was paid. He paid it. We don't have to pay it. He took our death, and now we get to know him because of what he did. That's vision. Well, you might go, well, that's enough. Well, yes and no. It's complete, and it's enough because it's Jesus, but now he says, you need to have vision and you need to reach the world. And that takes vision. To get the mission off the ground, it takes vision. Now, you may not know this Life Church 360 is 111 years old. <laughs> that just blows me away. 111 years ago, a small group of Presbyterians got on this boat. This is the actual boat at Pike Place Market. And they traveled 48 miles on the Puget Sound up to what we know now as Warm Beach. And when they arrived, people would come here, and there was a false boardwalk that was down on the water. And that little road that's behind those people goes up that hill and comes straight up to here, by the way. It's eight miles that way. And our little church sits on the left-hand side of that little road. Halfway up the hill. Now, why did these Presbyterians get on that boat? Well, there was a guy named C.D. Hillman. He had gotten on the boat because he heard there was property up here for sale. And so he's on this tour thing in this boat, and he comes up here and he sees this hillside and beautiful Port Susan. He's like going, I can see. When you get around a person of vision, visionary people, I'm a visionary person, I can see it before it's there. I can walk into a house and completely remodel it in my head. It's just the way I am. I've always been that way. It just, C.D. looked at the hill and he went, that is a great area for a housing development. That's where people should live. Well, he had a problem. He didn't have enough money to buy it. He had some money, but he didn't have enough money to buy it. So he's on the boat and he's on his way back and he's like thinking, how am I gonna be able to do this? Now, C.D.'s kind of a hustler. In fact, not kind of, he's a, he's a hustler. And so CD's overhearing a couple, and they're, they're getting back into Seattle, and this couple's talking, and they're pointing at a house up on Capitol Hill. and they're like going, man, we had a house like that when I was growing up in California, same kind of thing, overlooking the water like that. I mean, man, I wish we could own a home like that. CD goes up, and he says, hey, I couldn't help but overhear you talking about that home up on the hill. And they said, yeah, it's beautiful. We'd love to have a home like that. And wouldn't that be something? And he goes, well, that's actually my house. And uh, it's for sale. They said, well, how much? And he gave them a price. Now, these people are from California. He gave them a real high price. And they went, well, they're from California. That's a good deal. Okay, hey, w- we'd love to see it. He goes, well, I'll meet you at the house at this time and this day. And they said, great, we'll see you there. And, and so CD's like going, okay, I got I to gotta figure this out because he didn't own the home. So he goes and he knocks on the door and he says, hey, uh, I, I love your home. Would you want to sell it? The people are like, oh, well, you know, I mean, it's not for sale, but... Uh, Everything's for sale, and, and so he goes, well, I would pay this, and they went, wow, well, we would take that, so he buys the home. The other people he met on the boat, they come, and they said, man, we love it, we'll take it, and they paid twice as much as he paid, and he took the profits, and he bought the property in Warm Beach, and he developed it. All the lots in Warm Beach, I live in Warm Beach, our church is in Warm Beach, our, our original campus, and uh, our second campus, we'll talk about that, and uh, it's, it's right there. The lots are 30 feet wide and 100 feet deep. Most of the houses in Warm Beach sit on a minimum of two lots or four lots because of the septic system issue. Now, C.D. developed this thing, and he, he just it's kind of a mess because of all the way the lots are, but he did it, and he's like, I've got to sell these lots now, and he starts talking about the promised land up in Birmingham. He named it Birmingham because he's from Birmingham, Alabama. you got to go to Birmingham. It's going to be awesome. And there were no roads, so people got on these boats because of the promise, and they got on the boat, and he hired actors, and he stocked them with fresh produce from Pike Place Market. And the actors would say things like, oh, I, I grew this stuff on my lots. This is the greatest soil. I have never, ever experienced soil like the soil in Birmingham. Boy, you got to get a lot there. And then they would start arguing, well, I'm going to buy lots lot such and such. No, I'm buying that lot. No, I'm buying that lot. And and by the time people got off and they got to that boardwalk, they were clamoring to buy these lots. Well, C.D. wasn't just a hustler. He was a shyster. The, The soil in Warm Beach is horrible. The only way I can even grow grass there is to put topsoil on it. And you should see my water bill in the summer. It is hard to get grass to grow in Warm Beach. But timber did grow up there. And timber was all over this place. And so people came up here, and they were loggers. And and they they, they were just people of strong, you know, they're just backbone kind of people. Super strong. Well, these Presbyterians had a vision. We're going to have a church. We are going to go up there and establish a beachhead for God. Literally a beachhead because it's right up the street from the beach. And so these guys said, well, we're going to start a church. And we began in 1910 as Birmingham Gospel Mission in a schoolhouse. And that's a Sunday school class of our church. Those were the first people of our church. Isn't that cool? I found these in the basement of the church. It's so cool. I got a whole big stack of stuff. And they had this big dream. they started doing ministry together, and they're working on it, and they're like, you know what? We got to have a permanent home. I mean, churches need buildings because churches are full of people, and people need places to go to be together and worship God, and they don't even have to wear a mask back in 1910. Uh, I don't know what they did in 1920 for the first big, you know, like... Well, actually, there's been a pandemic, by the way, every 100 years. I don't know how they, how they did it then, but like they didn't have to wear masks when they started, and, and they got this thing going, and, and they built the first building in 1913, and these girls are standing right outside the original building, and that's it. That's the original church building. And they went in from this side at the beginning, and those girls attended our church, Birmingham Gospel Mission. And the church divide you know started having vision about you know we need to develop ministries and and, and we need to have you know ministries that would, would be for all kinds of people and because there's all kinds of people here and 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 pretty soon like cars kind of started happening and so the first road came up here. It was Marine Drive. If you ever driven Marine View Drive that was actually the way to Canada. There wasn't a freeway back then. The freeway didn't come in down nineteen sixty nine didn't get finished until sixty nine. And so they they had this like road and pretty soon you started seeing cars in Birmingham. And they continued to have more mission and, and, and more vision. And, and so they, they had kids ministry. And so like here's a, like a scouting kind of ministry. Look at those boys. These girls in this next picture, the sign that they're holding says happy helpers. How would you like to be a happy helper? We're looking for some happy helpers today because the children's ministry needs some happy helpers. And the youth minister needs some happy helpers, and the coffee bar needs happy helpers, and, and the greeters need happy helpers. And would you like to be a happy helper? That's what they were. They had a seniors' ministry and families' ministry because that's vision. In the church, the mission is lifting off the ground, and this thing is happening and it's going. In 1924, the neighborhood was renamed Warm Beach. The reason they name it Warm Beach is because it's a tide flat up there, and when the tide goes out, the sun heats up the sand. Even today, our neighbors, we've done it, you go sit down there in the water where the tide's coming in, and it's like bath water until it hits 18 inches. And when it's at 18 inches, get out. It's cold. Okay, But before that, it's warm because it's Warm Beach. and So they called it Warm Beach, and they went, you know, now that we're called Warm Beach, we should change the name of the church, which is if anybody's been around a church to change their name, Oftentimes, it's mutiny time when the church changes its name. But they had a vision. Let's do this thing. Let's change the name. And not only did they change the name, they left the Presbyterian denomination, and they went to the Assemblies of God denomination because the Assemblies of God denomination was so full of the Holy Spirit, and they were all about missions. And we want to do missions because we're a mission. We were Birmingham Gospel Mission. Now we're Warm Beach Community Church. We've got to keep doing the mission. And so they joined the Assemblies of God. And they were Warm Beach Community Church. Church was small, but it was steady. And it kind of grew and did different kind of stuff. And we get to the late nineteen sixties. In the late sixties, a man named Pastor Al, Al Stavala, his wife Lucy is still alive. I've had lunch with Lucy. She's come to our church several times. Uh Lucy would say, Al would say, Honey, we gotta get her a going. We got to get her a-going, Luce. Let's just get her a-going. And, and she said that so many times, it just stuck with me. We got to get her a-going. And Al had vision. You know what Al's vision was at first? Indoor plumbing. Because they were going to the bathroom in an outhouse in 19, late 60s. And he said, we got to get indoor plumbing. No one's going to a church. You have to use an outhouse. And so, man, he preached his heart out. We gotta get some toilets, people. Let's get one toilet. And they raised the money. They did indoor plumbing. And he preached his heart out. And they grew, and that original building became too small. And they're like, you know what? We need something more, God. We need we need some vision. God and Al's like, you know what? That those those six lots across the street, just right across 180, like it's just literally 25 feet let's go buy those lots now knew the person who had them and the person said well i'll give you a great price i said well we don't have any money and they said well we still will give you a great price and he said to the church you guys okay we did a toilet now let's do a new building and they gave and not only did they give they built that first building in 1972 with their own two hands. And there it is. We still use this building today. That bell tower, they moved the original bell from the original church over to there. I've got pictures of that too. It's just so cool. Of just I mean, like, these people were like, we've got to reach people for Jesus. And the church grew. In 1982, they had outgrown even that building, and so they added on to it. They did a downstairs, they did an upstairs foyer, bigger bathrooms, they, they did a big huge nursery. I mean, like, it just, like, this church was going, like, it was just right through into the 80s, this thing was just rocking. They had over 200 people coming at some points. Well, it it, it changed leadership, Al, Al was, he was a bivocational leader, and he just, just led with all of his heart and Church changed leadership, it kind of went kind of down in attendance, and and then it just kind of plateaued for a little bit. And in 1999, Pastor Alan Ealer came. Pastor Alan Ealer is a great leader. Uh, He's a great man. I I know Alan today. I was the one that replaced Alan here. And Alan had just a vision and a dream to say, you know what? We've got to leave the 70s. We need to come, and some of our ministries are still back in the 50s and 60s. We, we've got we've to reach people who don't know Jesus. And, and so they began to change some stuff, and that wasn't easy on the church. You guys, when you change stuff in churches, oh, boy. You're, I mean, now you're messing with people, right? And so, like, but Alan held the thing together, and, and the people in town, they like all around the area started hearing, man, there's this great new church, great, our great new pastor at this church. And so people, they had a lot of transfer growth. The church got to 215 people a weekend and sometimes even more. And, and Alan was like, you know, we got to reach people that don't know Jesus. And it just seems like our building, you know, is over the hill. You have to go into the neighborhood to even know it's there. Like we need a busier place where we can do this thing. And there was a, there was a neighborhood development plan. The neighborhood was going to go from I-5 all the way down to the corner of Frank Waters and Happy Hollow Road, which is known as Five Corners if you've been down to the Warm Beach Camp. And so they bought 11 acres right there. Like, this was a strategic vision. We are going to be right on this busy road. And if we had a new building with everything new, man, people would love to be there. And so they sacrificed and they gave. They had building plans done, and Alan led. He, he was here for nine years, and, and Alan was like, you know, he's just preaching his heart out, and he was doing his doctorate degree. And, and as Alan just continued this, he's feeling like, you know what? I, I think God wants me to be a professor, and that's what he is. He's actually a dean. at a at a a college a bible college he's just an amazing guy and he said to the church you guys need to hire somebody okay somebody who knows how to reach people who aren't Christians which is what led them to Tina and I in 2008 and we came in 2008 and that's our little family Jaylee was in sixth grade she's on the right Caitlin's on the far left she's freezing because it's snow and uh, she was in fourth grade, and Maddie there is our youngest, and she was going into first grade. And my brother was getting married that day, so there's our two families. He, my brother met his wife at our church, so he's like, yeah, hey, I'm glad you came here. I met my wife. This is pretty cool. And they were married, and and the church said, hey, you know, we, we got we to gotta find somebody who knows how to reach people who aren't Christians. And I knew when they, when they had me come, and I saw the church, and I saw the ministries, I'm like going there's going to have to be a lot of change here if non-Christians are going to like coming here. You know, because like, there's some stuff that's happening that needs to not happen anymore. And, and I tried to paint the picture for them because I knew that like change is hard in a church. Change is always hard in a church. And, and the reason that they came to me is because I was part of a church plan in Coeur d'Alene. I was a youth pastor, and, and then I became a missions pastor and, and oversaw volunteerism. And our church was one of the fastest growing churches in America for a couple of years. And when we'd have baptisms, guys, we'd baptize 100 people, which by the way, I am really mean, if you want to get baptized like right at the end of the service here, go find them because like we would baptize over 100 people some Sundays like it was amazing we don't even know what we were doing right just the Holy Spirit was moving which by the way the fire is the Holy Spirit and he lifts this thing all the ground and God was doing amazing so like well hey I mean the network says that you're going to go be a lead guy why don't you come be our lead guy I'd never been a lead guy in my life and I come in and I, I knew there was needed some change right like they're like, going, what do you want to do, man? How do we do it? What are you doing? And they're like, doing all this stuff. I'm like, well, you know, it's, let's kind of start slow, you know. Uh, we got to change the music. And uh, the, the music pastor had resigned anyway because uh, he gave me a month, and then he was, he was gone, so we hired a new music guy. And, hey, we got to change the sound system. It's, it's from the 70s. And so, like, let's, let's get rid of the sound system and get a new one. And, and, and the guy that's telling people they can't wear hats in the church Let's let people wear hats in church. It's okay. Like, you know, they're not doing it to be disrespectful. They just wear hats. And, and uh, you know, we're just going to... And, and I, that was a big deal. Boy, he left the church. He was mad at me. He did not want people wearing hats. I don't care if you wear a hat. I don't care how you dress. Just dress. Just if you're not dressed, we're going to have to ask you to dress. But uh, we kind of draw the line there. But the rest of it is like, I mean, I, we don't really care how you dress. And, and we put ashtrays in the parking lot because sometimes people smoke and gives them a place to, you know, put that out before they come in. And, and like, we just want you to know that whatever's going on in your life, you're welcome here. And uh, I started talking about, hey, it doesn't matter what political party you belong to. I, we don't care. We just want you to belong to the Jesus party, and so we're just going to kind of leave that political thing at the door, and that caused a riff, but but here's the deal. First thing, I said, okay, we got to minister to kids. The kids' ministry has got to be rocking. One, I have kids in it, and I don't want my kids to hate church. I want them to love church, and I want your kids to love church, and I want kids in the community to love church, and so we took the original building, which was completely dilapidated, and we remodeled it, and if you go back today into the second and fifth grade room, you'll see what it looked like because all of that stuff came out of there. And we built that thing out, and kids loved it. Some of the, some of the grandkids, like of our pillars of our church, I, you need to know, if you're over 65, you are a pillar of the church. We need you. We need you. We need your wisdom. We need to lean into your wisdom, okay? And you, what you need to do is keep us young, make us reach young people do whatever it takes to reach young people because that's what we want to do and so what we did is we we remodeled that thing and made a kid center out of it and these grandkids of like who had left church they've like done with church and their life isn't going so hot their marriage isn't going so hot they started coming back to church and their kids loved church their kids would drag them to church and they got saved and they got baptized oh the church got excited then some people in the community they came and they got saved and they got excited and, and like literally like we had so many people leave because they were upset of all the changes, but we had so many people came that we actually grew. And the church continued to grow and we're like, okay, God, what do we do? I mean, you know, we have this 11 acres and this plan, but we can't afford to build a building. There's no way. And they, remember, 2008, 2009, 2010, the economy was doing this fast. The neighborhood was canceled. So we're like, okay, God, what do you want us to do? For 2010 through 2012, we would grow the church to almost 300 people by the end of the spring. And when summer would hit, you know how summer would go? And we were doing up to three services, and and like like people were, it was great. But we were starting to reach people that lived beyond Lake Goodwin, and like they lived up here. And they would come to Jesus and and they would bring their families and now they're driving there for life groups, they're driving there for youth groups, they're driving there for church, it's like going, Matt, it's three times a week, Matt, and we gotta find a church that's closer. And we love you, we love the church, it's just we gotta get a church that's closer. It's just taking too much too too much time. Like, I understand, it's okay. I have some friends up there, go to this church, try this church, you know, and I just recommended them different churches because like it's about you knowing Jesus the most. And and so it's like but get plugged into a church and, and so we're like, okay, we've got to we gotta do something. We did demographic studies. Do you know that the average American drives 20 minutes to church? That's a national statistic. 20 minute drive. Some will go a little further. You guys are really committed. Some are like, I'm not going that far. Okay, that's fine. And, and, and so like we just like, okay, what do we do? So we do, drew, drew a drive circle around our campus, which our circle, half of it's water. So we only have a half a circle. And back in 2010, there were 16,800 people within a 20-minute drive of our campus in Warm Beach. Not too bad. We went, well, Walmart's up here, and Safeway's up here. I mean, there's enough, and Costco's up here. I mean, if, if there's that much groceries up there, there's got to be more people. So let's draw a circle around that one. We drew a 20-minute drive circle, which includes a freeway, 208,000 people and all the 16,800 that we already had the reach potential were in the circle. Here's the problem. Our church has been there for 100 years. There are people in our church who have attended the church longer than I had been alive, still are. Like, you know, I mean, this young whippersnapper comes in and changes the colors, that could cause division in itself, changes the music, you know, changes hats in church, and, you know, it's like... I, Now you want to move us? Are you kidding me? we talked about mission. I asked my mentor, how do you do it? How do you not implode a church and move a 100-year-old church? If Jesus... If Jesus would leave heaven, born a baby... The one who created Mary is birthed by Mary. If Jesus would go to the cross, how could I not drive 20 more minutes? Who cares if the building's paid for? It's a building, it's just a building. But if it would help more people come to know Jesus, how could we say no? A small group of Presbyterians would get on a boat, come live in a place that's inhabited by First Nations people, which, by the way, white people weren't real popular back then. Kind of aren't anymore either. If they would do it and Jesus would do it, why wouldn't we do it? Why wouldn't we change and go for it? Next week, I'm going to tell you why we came up with Life Church 360. I'm going to tell you next week about more vision that we have to lift the mission because, you guys, it's not about finding a church so that it's fun for our kids and safe and we just like it. And the pastor, we like him. He he preaches a challenging message, but not too challenging. We don't want to get too challenging. You know, be careful because we just want to be comfortable. And his chairs are nice and... And the bathrooms are good, and and, and we're just going to do church. No, we are the church, and the church is a mission. In 2010, there were 208,000 people within a 20-minute drive of this church. We're doing demographics right now. It's so hard to do demographics, you guys. It's over 300. We have between three and five. We're trying to figure out what it is. Less than 6% of them go to church anywhere. Means there's over 280,000 people who don't know Jesus. You wouldn't understand this unless you have a child who doesn't know Jesus. See, scripture says if you don't know Jesus and have a relationship with Jesus, when you die, you don't go to heaven for eternity. That was me. That was my mom and dad. That was my brother and sister. In a church that had vision, reached us. Would you be a church like that? Because you are the church. When God put the vision in us to, cha- to move, I was scared out of my mind. It's like committing, you know, pol- you know, uh, uh, position suicide. Like I'm going to lose my job. What if people just don't want to do it? God's put a vision in me right now. It's scared out of my mind. I want you to think about this for a second. What if we set a lofty goal? And I know there's a lot of churches, but like only less than 6% of the people even go to church. Let's just set a lofty goal and reach 1%. 1% of the people who don't go to church. you like, that's pathetic, Morgan. If our church grew to 2,800 people this year, they'd want me to write a book about how we did it. And I'd go, I don't know, just the Holy Spirit did it. That'd be the book. We'd just call it, I don't know. I'm just like, here for the ride. What if we as a church said, it's our turn? The Presbyterians did it. This little group of people did it. 226 people, that was our average attendance. Well, as soon as we started talking about moving, the attendance went down, right? So 226 people came up here and served, and you couldn't believe the momentum here. Do you know that our church is averaging over 600 people a weekend? Our church has three churches, three campuses. This one, Warren Beach and a Spanish campus. It has a community center. This year is the best financial year we've ever had in the midst of a pandemic. Please clap. That's so cool. <laughs> at the board meeting last board meeting, we're like, you know, man, it's like, it's pretty cool because we have a, we have one of our reports that we look at. We have several reports financially. And one of them shows where we started in, in in January of 2020 and where we are that month. And so the bank account was more. Now I, I mean it's not like huge. Okay, it's, it's like we're not going. Hey, we're rolling. We're not. Okay. But I'm so encouraged because I thought it would be a bad year, right? And it was a better year. And so we went, hey, let's let's give some away. Because we're not about us. You're not about us. How do we give it away? We gave three thousand dollars to Children's Village, the Open Arms International Children's. We bought the Christmas gifts for the kids, 157 orphans. You did that. Thank you. That's pretty cool. Online, you guys did that. We gave three thousand dollars more to the Mission Nicaragua that has a camp for kids who live in the dump. And they go there and get fed every day. And we gave $500 to another ministry that's called Peer Desire, $6,500. Tomorrow night, we're gonna look at the year end and say, now what are we gonna do for the mission of God? But in 2021, this year, we need to start asking the question, what are we gonna do for the mission of God? And we got vision. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We need you. I pray, God, that you would put in our hearts your vision, not my vision, yours. And Jesus, you would help us reach this people for you. Help us be a church that does this. Help us, God, to sacrifice Help us to give, help us to serve, help us to love and use us in Jesus' name.